Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Ben Asher, the Director of Operations and Recruiting for the Rutgers men's basketball team. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bridget. Appreciate you having me on. Of course. So, Ben, you grew up in Oyster Bay, New York, on Long Island. I think that's a great name for a town. Oyster Bay, yeah. Uh, great little town in uh, Nassau County uh, on Long Island, about 45 minutes outside of New York City. Um, I love everything about it, man. I, re- I rep Oyster Bay very proudly. Nice, nice. And now, are you from a big family or a small family? So, I'm, uh, I'm actually one of three. Um, I have one brother and one sister. But when I was in middle school, a bunch of my family, my mom's side of the family, actually moved in with my, with my family. And I, um, we ended up, by the time I was in high school, I think we had uh, 13 people living in my house at, at one point. So <laughs> wow. I guess you could say uh, somewhat of a big family. Yeah, for sure. Sounds like full house to me. Most definitely. <laughs> so Ben, how did you get into basketball? Um, you know what? I've been around basketball as long as I can remember, um, I had an older brother, so you know some of my earliest memories are going to going to his games and uh, you know shooting around at the hoop uh, at halftime, and, you know just being around his teams and stuff, and just kind of falling in love with through that. And then obviously, you know when I got older, I, I played myself and uh, loved it as a player, and I just you know I became I became kind of intoxicated with it at an early age. You know I just uh, wanted to do basketball twenty four seven. It was something I lived, breathed. Eight slept, you know, everything. Nice. And did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, so growing up, you know, I played pretty much every sport. Um, middle school, baseball, football. But in high school, I, I was just basketball and football. I actually um, played quarterback for my football team. Oh, nice. QB1? QB1, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually re-watching Friday Night Lights. That's a great one, yeah. It's a classic right there. <laughs> Absolutely. So you attended, as you said, you attended Oyster Bay High School. You played basketball and football. How are the teams at Oyster Bay? Yeah, so the, team, the teams were competitive. Uh, played in a small school schedule on Long Island. We were a Class C school. Um, and if you're from New York, you know, the largest classification is AA, goes down A, B, C, and D. So we weren't the smallest uh, classification, but we were among the smaller schools on Long Island. Um, so there was, uh, a, you know, a lot of good battles between a lot of teams. It's funny, a lot of the, in my conference, being that it's only about 100, 125 kids per grade, a lot of the same kids played multiple sports. So a lot of my rivals in high school, quote unquote, you know, we play them in basketball and then we play them in football also. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool to get to know kind of some of the guys that you competed against. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, did you have any opportunities to play either basketball or football in college? Uh, I, I did. I had a few, you know, D- Division three opportunities. Um, Daniel Webster College actually is a school I considered up in New Hampshire. And then I had a few SUNY schools I was in contact with. Um, but when I ended up getting my opportunity to uh, work with the program at West Virginia, that was just something, you know, I kind of knew, knew at that point already I wanted to get into coaching. And I figured that, that was uh, probably the best way to, um, you know, enhance my coaching career. Okay. Now, talk about that opportunity at West Virginia. Had you just applied as a student and then talked to the coaching staff before you decided to go there? So, you know what I, you know, when I was in, I think, 11th grade, uh, like most kids, not really quite sure 
I knew I wanted to actually, I knew I wanted to do something with basketball, but that was basically all I knew. Um, so actually, I think I, I think I went on collegeboard.com, which at the time, you know, still around, obviously, but you, you could sort, you could do like searches. So I, I literally went on and I, you know, being from, uh, the New York metro area, I want, I knew I wanted to go to school somewhere on the East coast, but that was kind of all I really knew. So I literally plugged in like all division one basketball schools on the East coast and hit like enter and a list of, you know, 150, 200 schools came up. And um, I literally emailed the coaching staff from every single one of those schools. Oh, my and, God. Uh, fortunately, I probably got maybe 10 to 12, I think it was 10 or 12 reply, uh, replies uh, positively, you know, programs that were interested in, you know, allowing me to come on and be a manager. And I, I literally applied to those 12 schools. That's how I decided like, <laughs> I was considering going to college. So, wow. Uh, so fortunately, the coaching staff at West Virginia was one of the schools that that answered me. So nice. it was literally as simple as that. That's so cool. Uh, what what other schools were in the mix, though? I'd love to know. Yeah, St. John's, um, Sacred Heart, uh, Coach Latina, who's actually the head coach there now, was an assistant at the time. He was he was great um, serving as a mentor when he really you know didn't have to. I kind of was just cold emailing him, and, and I still to this day have a great relationship with him. So. Uh, uh, you know, I'm fortunate that he was another one of the guys that, that answered. And I actually went on a visit um, to Sacred Heart, met with Coach Latina, and I kind of told him what I had going on. And, and it was his advice, was, you know, some of the best advice I've ever gotten. Um, you know, he said, if I have an opportunity to go to West Virginia, being in a Power Five conference, he said, if I really want to, um, you know, try and get into the business, I definitely would have the best opportunity to kind of uh, build relationships at the Power Five level at West Virginia. So, you know, he recommended that, um, that if that was something I truly wanted to do, that that's an avenue I should, uh, I should pursue. Yeah. That's great that he was so honest about it. Yep. Yeah. The, uh, the, it didn't hurt that Sacred Heart tuition was about $60,000, I think for uh, undergrad. So <laughs> yeah, it's a private so I school. I, you know, I, I don't think I got quite enough scholarship money to cover that academically. So, uh, so the tuition factor, West Virginia being a public school, definitely, uh, played a factor as well, if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah, for sure. Now, did you visit West Virginia before you decided to enroll? I did. I, I visited West Virginia, and I actually had an opportunity to sit down with Coach Hahn. Um, I had a great visit. One of my friends from high school actually went there, uh, who was a year older than me, so I had someone that I knew already on campus. And when I went down and visited, we actually West Virginia had played um, Pittsburgh, who's their huge rival, yeah. um, you know, backyard brawl, all that. Um, and the game was sold out and they actually, the coaching staff got me a spot in the student section, like pretty much right in the front row. So I was right in the thick of things. Um, and that was kind of my first experience, at least live of West Virginia basketball. And, you know, after one game at the Coliseum, especially a game against Pitt, you know, great environment, juiced, uh, arena. Um, you know, I knew West Virginia was where I wanted to be. Very cool. I'm still so impressed that you wrote all those emails. It just goes to show if you want something bad enough, you really have to work hard for it. No doubt. And I'm, like I said, I'm, you know, um, I'm just fortunate that anybody decided to, to respond to me, you know, because at the time, you know, I, I actually, it's funny. I actually get a lot of emails now from high school kids similar to where I was in that, in that position. So obviously I remember, you know, what it was like being in that position. So I make sure I answer every single one of them and, uh, you know, try and help out any young up and coming 
guys trying to break into the business any way I can. I'm trying, you know, I always try and pay it forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so great. So can you talk about some of the duties that a student manager does? Because they do a lot of work, but they get very little recognition. I think, yeah, that, um, you know, it's funny. A lot of people think they want to be student managers. A lot of, a lot of kids that I've, uh, whether I, when I was a manager or that I oversee now um, at Rutgers, uh, a lot of kids think they want to be a manager until they actually, you know, go through it for a week or two. And then they realize it's not quite as glamorous as they think it is. Um, you know, it's, you're straight up the bottom of the totem pole. Um, you know, you're wiping up sweat off the floor, you're handing out water, you're handing out towels, you're, you know, dealing with dirty laundry. Um, you're kind of doing a lot of the stuff that no one else wants to do. And while you're doing that, you're really not getting any credit for anything. <laughs> you know, not that you, not that you work for credit, but, um, it's kind of a thankless position. You know, it's not, it's not glamorous, you know. Um, as, as some people think, but, uh, you know, managers, they got to be a practice. They got to be the first ones in the practice gym. They got to be the last ones to leave the practice gym. You know, they're, they're putting in just as much work as the student athletes are, if not more. And, um, you know, all around the country, there's a lot of programs that probably wouldn't be able to function without student managers. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, understand just how, um, crucial they are to, to program success. Absolutely. I have so much respect for all student managers out there. No doubt. And a lot of them, too, do it, you know, free. They don't get paid. They don't get any type of scholarship. They don't get, um, you know, anything. They just they do it for kind of the love of, 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 of the game, you know. And, and yeah. obviously, a lot, of, a lot of managers are trying to become coaches. So it's a, it's a good it's a great way to get your foot in the door if, um, you know, if you don't have a player, a uh, former player background. Yeah, Absolutely. West Virginia has a great basketball program with head coach Bob Huggins, and you were there from 2009 to 2013 when they were in the old Big East, the best college basketball conference that, that ever was, really. No question. Um, Big Ten, by the way, my conference now, shameless plug, is really, really good, too. Oh, like, for really sure. Uh, but I think in 2011, uh, I might have to look this up, uh, quote me on this, but I'm pretty, in 2011, Big East sent 11 teams to the NCAA tournament, 11 yeah, in one conference. It. And I, that's still, um, you know, the record to this day. Uh, so definitely saw a lot of great, great basketball during my years in, uh, in the Big East and at West Virginia. I was really fortunate. Yeah, every game is a battle. I'm kind of jealous you were right there for all the action. Yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great teams, a lot of great players. You know, thinking Kemba Walker, the UConn magical run. You know, we actually, we actually were the last team before they went on their run. They ended up winning. I don't know what it was. Their last eleven, twelve games in a row. Um, before they went on to, you know, have that amazing run that they had. So, um, yeah, but not, you know, not just a ton of great programs, ton of great players. It was, it was, it was really awesome for a young kid. You know, trying to, uh, trying to learn and trying to break into the business. It was, it was awesome. Your freshman year in 2010, West Virginia makes it all the way to the Final Four in Indianapolis. I want to know all about your experience at the Final Four. I mean, the Final Four is as good as it gets. Um, for anyone who's been as a fan, it's, it's a spectacle. You know, it's along the lines of the Super Bowl and um, NBA All-Star Game. It, the city shuts down. So in 2010... Um, we're actually in Indianapolis, which is a great city. Um, and 
fortunate we beat Kentucky actually in the Elite Eight to get there. And then we ran into another superpower, uh, Duke, who uh, unfortunately we lost to, and then they ended up winning it all. Um, but the experience, just you know, it, it was it was for a 19-year-old, you know, kid. It was a it was a definitely a huge learning experience. Just the magnitude of you know um, the Final Four itself. I mean, that's 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 as good as it gets. Yeah, that was a tough game for West Virginia. And unfortunately, Deshaun Butler, the team's best player, hurt his knee. Yep, Deshaun Butler, you know, still to this day, one of my best friends. Um, yeah, most people remember, unfortunately, went down with that knee injury. Um, one of the lasting images from that Final Four is Coach Huggins going out and kind of consoling him, and um, which, is, which is really awesome because obviously not Deshaun getting hurt. That, that was terrible, but it was nice to um, for the rest of the country to kind of see who Bob Huggins really is. Um, you know, most people just see him on TV and he can get angry and he can, um, you know, raise his voice slightly at the players and officials. But at the end of the day, there's no one, no one out there with a better heart than, uh, than Coach Huggins. And so that was a cool moment, despite the awful circumstances for him to kind of or for the rest of the country to kind of see who he really is, um, you know, in a, in a, in a tough situation. Yeah. I remember that. That was very nice of him. Very sweet moment. Yep. Hugs is, uh, hugs is the best. I, you know, <laughs> wouldn't be where I am right now without, without him. So, um, really, really fortunate to uh, have the opportunity to work for him and I'm very appreciative. And as you kind of alluded to, he's one of the more interesting personalities in college basketball. What was it? What was it like working with him for on a daily basis? You know, he's one of, I, I tell anyone that will listen to me, he's one of, if not the most misunderstood people in all of college basketball. Like I said, you know, you kind of only see him uh, raising his voice at, his, at, at players and, and officials during games on TV. But as soon as the game ends, um, you know, he's... He's a soft-spoken, mild-mannered, you know, he's, he's, he's brilliant, first of all. Like, basketball aside, he's a graduated magna cum laude from West Virginia and stuff. He's, he's brilliant. Um, but he just, uh, you know, he knows the game of basketball better than most people on planet Earth. <laughs> football is huge at West Virginia. Did you attend many of the football games during your time there? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Mountaineer football is life in Morgantown. Um, I think I probably went to every single home game during my, during my years there. Uh, obviously a uh, huge campus event, but also through working with the basketball team, we hosted a lot of visits um, from high school and junior college prospects. So I was uh, definitely you know, helping out in any way I can in that regard as well. Nice. Over or under a hundred times hearing take me home country roads throughout your four years way over not <laughs> way 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 over definitely <laughs> that is a great song it's catchy still one of my favorite songs to this day and will always be one of my favorite songs anybody that knows me when that song comes on i just you know you have to belt it out you can't not <laughs> actually west virginia made the ncaa tournament all four years you were a manager there which is quite an accomplishment yeah i right place at the right time i guess you know no no um, I don't think I had hardly, I, I just, actually, I know I didn't have anything to do with our success, but I, you know, just being able to kind of learn and see all the, uh, the great coaches, uh, you know, doing what they do and being able to absorb all that. I mean, was so, 
valuable. And I still today, you know, a lot of my, uh, you know, my coaching foundation is built upon what I learned those years in Morgantown. Hey, give yourself more credit. You did a lot of the work, you know, the little things add up. If a program's going to yeah. be successful, everyone has to be on board. No, no doubt, no doubt. I definitely uh, kept the guys hydrated, so I, I you know, I did, <laughs> I, I, I did what I could. <laughs> That's important. You don't want anyone cramping out there. No doubt, absolutely. So you graduate in 2013, and at that point, you pretty much had the decision that you wanted to go into coaching, correct? Most definitely, yep. Now, did you talk to Coach Huggins about it? I did. Um, you know, Coach Huggins, and another thing, too, about West Virginia, I'll say, is another reason why I was so fortunate, too, is, is the great coaching staff that they had. It wasn't just Coach Huggins, who's, you know, a Hall of Famer and one of the best to ever do it. But uh, there was actually, including Coach Huggins, there was four guys on that staff who had been Division One head coaches at one point or another. Um, Larry Harrison, Billy Hahn, and then uh, Ronnie Everhart. So not only was I able to learn from Coach Huggins and, and his greatness, I was also able to learn from a, a variety of other guys who had been, you know, kind of where I want to be and have, uh, have you know, been through the business. And they, they definitely helped show me the ropes. Um, you know, another guy, Jared Calhoun, who, he was uh, an assistant there at the time. He's now the head coach at Youngstown State. So he's another guy, Division One head coach, that I was able to learn from. Um, and Eric Martin, who, who, who's the, another assistant coach there who wasn't, who was yet to be a Division One head coach, but he will be a Division One head coach. So um, just being able to kind of soak that in and, and just not just from, not just even from Coach Huggins, like I said, but from everybody to be able to kind of absorb all that on a daily basis. I mean, it was invaluable. Yeah, it's a great staff to be learning from in a Power Five conference, as you said. No doubt. And actually, another cool thing, um, as you mentioned, the Power Five conference. So we were in the Big East, but I, my last year, we actually did go to the Big 12. So I was able to um, kind of experience uh, being in the Big East and the Big 12. So two of the you know top college basketball conferences. Pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Virginia was one of the first teams to move when all the conferences had realigned. I forgot that. No doubt. Yep. They were one of the first ones, you know, when everything kind of got shook up. Yep. That was, yeah. uh, that was interesting. So what's better, Big East or Big 12? I mean, I'm a New York native, so you know <laughs> I have to say Big East. There's, you know, those Big East tournament games at Madison Square Garden, you know, in its heyday, there's, there's nothing maybe that will ever compare to that. I mean, that was, that was truly special. Yeah, the Big East tournament's great. I've gone for the past several years, obviously not this year with the coronavirus, but such a great atmosphere. Yeah, it's, I mean, doesn't get any better than that. It's the world's most famous arena. It's, you know, it's the best. <laughs> Absolutely. Where was the Big 12 tournament? That was in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. And we got bounced in the first round by Texas Tech. And then I graduated. <laughs> so that, you know, don't really have a lot of great memories of a uh, Big 12 conference tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Big Apple uh, beats Kansas City. <laughs> so your first coaching gig is at a major school, Power Five Conference again, NC State, and you're a graduate assistant there. How did you land that job? You know what? Just like everything else, really fortunate, uh, kind of in the right place at the right time. A uh, buddy of mine, Nima Omidvar, who is currently an assistant coach at George Washington University, he was the video coordinator down there, and... Um, you know, through talking to him, he had mentioned that they had a need for 
or they were going to have a need this was during my senior year that they're going to have a need the upcoming year for a graduate assistant. And uh, fortunately, the coaching staff at West Virginia was actually really close with the coaching staff at NC State. A lot of them knew each other really well. Um, so between uh, Nima helping me get my foot in the door and then kind of some of the assistants and head coach, Coach Huggins helped me out a ton as well. Um, you know, making phone calls to NC State uh, staff to kind of let them know who I am and uh, vouch for me, if you will. Um, between the two of those things going on, that's kind of how I was able to land that gig. That's so great of Bob Huggins. You know, he's got a lot going on with recruiting and coaching that he took time out of his day to call the NC State coach for his manager. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like, exactly. Like, people would be surprised. Like, anyone that knows him would not be surprised by that because that's just the kind of guy he is and he takes care of, um, you know, he takes care of his, his guys, whether it's former players, former managers, coaches, whatever. He, he's, he's super loyal and, um, you know, like I said, I can't say enough about that guy. Yeah, awesome. What was it like being in the triangle where, you know, you had UNC and Duke pretty much a couple of minutes away from, from NC State? People in New York think, uh, you know, New York is the mecca of basketball and maybe at one point it was. Probably not so much today, um, but being down down in the triangle, that really does kind of feel like the mecca of basketball, Tobacco Road. I mean, just the great programs down there, you know, Duke, North Carolina, NC State, obviously, Wake Forest. I mean, there's, the, the basketball down there is serious. And you're there from 2013 to 2015. Can you describe your duties during your two seasons there? Yeah, I... Uh, I did a lot of video stuff uh, during my time at NC State. I, I helped, uh, you know, with scouting. Um, I helped plan recruiting visits. Um, I helped track academics too. Was a big part of what I did. Um, pretty much, you know, the graduate assistant as a whole, um, kind of like a jack of all trades. You know, on any given day, your role, um, you know, your task can change. Um, so just kind of being around to help out and basically your job as a GA is to make the assistant coach's life easier. So anything I could do, whether it was helping break down a video or, uh, you know, helping, uh, you know, check, check on a class for a player or anything like that, you know, make, making sure our guys are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Just anything I can do to kind of help the assistant coaches lives and the head coach as well, um, you know, was what I was doing. So it was, it was a lot of, a lot of different stuff. And you're also going to school there at the time as well. Yep, studied family and youth development. Um, luckily, I was able to be uh, to be in an online program, so I was able to, you know, be in the office during the day and, and take, you know, do my classes at nighttime. So it was it was nice. Oh, that's great! And you have a master's degree? No, I don't actually. I was a few credits short, so mm. I did not end up uh, getting that. But you know. One of these days, I'll, I'll, I'll finish that up for sure. <laughs> nice. In 2015, NC State had advanced to the Sweet 16, and they were an underdog, so that had to be a real highlight for your, for your time there. Was, that was, you know, another unbelievable experience. Um, we beat LSU in the first round uh, in the 8-9 game, and then we actually... Uh, actually, we beat your squad. We beat Villanova. <laughs> yeah, my dad was not happy about that. Sorry to bring that up. When they were, uh, yeah, they were a one seed, so that was that was pretty special too. Um, that whole year was awesome. Coach Godfrey actually was the 
think he was the first coach that year to, in a single season, uh, defeat four other Hall of Fame coaches. Because that year we, you know, we played Syracuse. We beat, beat Syracuse with Jim Beheim. We beat Louisville with Rick Pitino. We beat North Carolina with Roy Williams, and obviously we beat Duke with, with Coach K. So that was that was another really cool. I mean, these are these are legends. These are guys that grew up idolizing, and here I am as a 23, 24 year old, you know, sitting on the bench on the other side of the court from, from these guys. So that was, that was, um, a, a special experience. Just, uh, you know, ACC basketball is tremendous. As you know, it's for as, for as long as I've been alive and actually longer than I've been alive, it's, uh, you know, it's been one of, if not the best conferences in the country. Yeah. That is so crazy to think about, right? You were doing the work and cutting up the film to help defeat coach K. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that was that was the first time we, you know, I had a game at at Cameron Indoor Stadium. It was that was kind of a, a wow moment, you know, just lining up. You know, we've all been watching Coach K, Duke on ESPN, you know, since we were all little kids. You know, Dickie V calling the games and stuff, and then being there, actually seeing it, not just seeing it live, but sitting on the bench, you know, a visitors bench, um, was was really special. And is the gym as hot as everyone says it is? Super hot. It's actually small. I mean, it looks small on TV, but compared to the rest of the ACC arenas, uh, like NC State, where we played at PNC Arena, I think, you know, 18,000 plus is the capacity, whereas mm-hmm. Cameron is like nine. Yeah. So, it's you know, almost small. half. So it, it's, a, it's a tight little band box, but I think you know, that's, that helps. That, I think that's probably why <laughs> they're so good there. You know, they're kind of used to. Another thing about camera too is the rims come down from the ceiling, which is different. Most, I don't know of any other power five. I think they, I think they're the only one power five school that doesn't use, you know, roll away hoops. Like yeah. they come down from the ceiling. So that's another special home court advantage they have. Wow. You know, you're right. But I had never really noticed that until you're saying that. That makes sense. It definitely makes it unique for sure. Yeah. Old school. After your time at NC State in June of 2015, you go back to your home state of New York and become the director of basketball operations for Siena College near Albany. Yep, yep. After two great years at NC State, um, was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to head to Siena to be the director of basketball operations for Jimmy Patsos. Um, and, you know, that was another, it was my first true job, obviously, not being a student. So mm-hmm. um, but that was another just great opportunity. Siena is a great a great college, uh, great basketball tradition, passionate fan base, uh, you know, really great situation for me to be in. And I was, I was really fortunate to, to be able to land up there. And it's actually your first experience not in a Power 5 conference as Siena is a mid-major in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. You know, I tell people all the time, I am spoiled. I have no problem admitting that. <laughs> like, correct. For my one year, but, you know, my, my year, I was at Siena for one year. But I probably learned more about, I definitely learned more about how to do more with less there than any other, you know, at NC State, fortunately, being in ACC, the budget, you know, something, um, you know, you need an office supply, you know, you just, you can order it, we have a budget. Whereas at Siena, sometimes, you know, you didn't have things in the budget. So Siena um, definitely taught me how to, like I said, do more with less. And it made me kind of appreciative um, you know, of everything that, that I had been receiving at my previous stop. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any other differences between working at a mid-major program and a Power 5 co- program? 
You know what? Siena was special because even though they are a uh, quote-unquote mid-major, they, they averaged, I think, my year, I want to say 6,500 fans a game, which is a ton, you know, almost 7,000 a game, which is a ton of fans. Like, Siena, you know, in, in Albany, New York, there's no pro sport. It's a state capital, so it's pretty, you know, pretty somewhat big city. Um, and Siena basketball was, was the hot ticket in town. Mm-hmm. So being there, it was almost like not even being at a at a mid major, just because um, you know the media coverage um, and fan attendance and just the general interest in Siena. Um, I was you know lucky to be a part of such a great program because you know it really wasn't even it didn't even feel like a mid major program to be honest. Yeah, they made they're a great program. They made a run in the NCAA tournament. I think in the early two thousands, maybe mid two thousands. Do you remember which year it was? Coach Fran McCaffrey, who's the current coach at Iowa, um, he led them to a three-peat of MAC tournament championships, and they went to the tournament in 08, 09, and 2010. They had a you know great run um, in late 2010s. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And kind of an interesting fact: you had previously worked at NC State, where Mark Gottfried was the head coach, and at Siena, his son Cam was a player at Siena. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, we were a package deal. <laughs> <laughs> Cam, Cam was there one year before uh, I got there, um, and that's actually kind of how, uh, you know, once again, relationships in this uh, profession are paramount. Um, Coach Gottfried obviously had his son on the team at Siena, so he had a great relationship with Coach Patsos, and that was that was kind of how the opportunity came about. It was as simple as, uh, you know, they were talking one day, and Coach Patsos, you know, said he had a director of basketball operations spot, asked Coach Gottfried if he knew anyone who might be interested, and, you know, I think I was sitting down the hallway. I think he literally walked into my office and handed me the phone and said, here, you know, talk to Coach Batsos for a minute. And, uh, you know, the rest is history from there. That's amazing. Can you describe what a director of operations does? Uh, yeah. Director of operations pretty much does everything that you don't see as a fan. So what fans see, obviously, they go to the games. You know, they see uh, players playing. They see the coaches coaching. So during the games, actually, is probably, you know, I keep fouls and stuff. So I, I do stuff during the games, but that's probably when I'm used the least in my role. Um, whereas everything leading up to the game and everything after the game, you know, I'm kind of running the show operationally just in terms of, uh, you know, I, over, I do all of our team travel, booking hotels, booking meals, booking flights. Um, uh, I'm our liaison with Adidas. So just equipment wise, making sure the guys have the right gear, the right um, shoes, you know, some guys low tops, some guys like high tops, some guys have, you know, certain foot or ankle, um, things that determine, you know, what type of shoe they wear. Um, so just kind of all the things, like I said, everything off the court, um, just making, making the program run smooth. That's kind of the role, you know, of a director of basketball operations. Sounds like a really busy job. No doubt. No doubt. Um, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of moving parts. Um, Definitely can be chaotic and somewhat stressful at times, but it's uh, you know it's really rewarding too. Just uh, you know being able to um, pitch in and do what I can to kind of make everything you know run as smooth as possible. Yeah, for sure. So one year at Siena, and then you moved to Rutgers in 2016, where you're currently working. Now you're in the Big yep. Ten Conference. So I feel like you aren't going to stop until you work for every college basketball conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, got, I need to hit uh, need to hit the Pac-12, I guess, in the yeah, uh, then SEC. You'll, 
So you spent your first three years as special assistant to head coach Steve Peichel. What did you do in that role? Uh, once again, you know, kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, <laughs> uh, anything that needed to get done uh, at all, but primarily was uh, keeping Coach Peichel's calendar organized, um, you know, media appearances, recruiting events, just making sure kind of assisting him and obviously head coaches have a ton, a ton, a ton going on. So my, you know, my role was kind of just to help him be his right-hand man, um, you know, kind of see any potential issues down the road and try and, you know, take care of them before, you know, they even come across coach Michael's plate, you know? So, um, uh, first and foremost, you know, just taking care of coach. And then I also, I run our social, social media also, um, so I do a lot of, I do our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that. So working with, um, working with, I work closely with marketing and you know, our creative um, team to kind of help produce content and stuff like that. Cool. Now that I know you work for the social media account, I'm going to troll you later. Have fun. Yeah, you, you won't be the only one. I can promise you that. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you probably have to deal with, <laughs> deal with some of that. A lot of trolls out there. A lot of trolls. <laughs> This past season was your first season as the director of operations and recruiting. So I'm assuming pretty much the same as Sienna and what your duties were are. Yep. Yep. Um, like I said, you know, just kind of making, making sure things uh, go smoothly. You know, uh, this year I added the title of director of recruiting. Um, so I had a hand, I had a, you know, big hand, pretty big hand in that the first three years, obviously, but this year or this past year um, more than ever, just kind of, uh, not helping not just coach Piper, but the assistants too. just stay organized and stay up to date and recruiting, you know, is a, is a crazy aspect of the business. Um, <laughs> yeah, very, so just important kinda, you know, very important. Absolutely. But, and, but, but constantly changing, you know, um, so just making sure, uh, doing anything I can to help the coaches out with staying organized with schedules and stuff like that. Nice. Your record has been a basketball program that has really struggled over the years. You know, they haven't reached the NCAA tournament in, I believe, 30 years. And the Big Ten Conference is no walk in the park. Every game is a battle. Absolutely. Um, this past year, I don't think it was close. You know, definitely uh, was the best college basketball conference in the country. Um, you know, it, and it's among the top one, two, or three every single year. Um we, you know, first couple of years, we definitely took our lumps. There, you know, there's a lot of I mean, big time programs. We're talking Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, these aren't these aren't little programs. These are big, successful programs that have been successful for like a lot of years. So, uh, you know, every single night in the Big Ten, you know, home away, whether you're playing the first place team or the last place team, it's going to be a battle. So you, you got to come prepared every single night. The 2020 season was a huge success for the program. You guys had huge wins over Wisconsin, Seton Hall, Illinois, and Maryland. I believe you finished fifth in the Big Ten. How exciting was this past season in Piscataway? I mean, so we sold out our final 10 games of the season. Um, and that was a program record. And that, that in and of itself tells you just kind of what, you know, what the buzz was like on campus. Um, it was special this past season. You know, we led the nation in uh, home wins. Also, we were 18 and one. Um, no one, no, yeah, no one else in the country won 18 uh, home games. So, I mean, the rack. If, if you've never been there, you got to get there. It's one of the best, bar none. It's one of the best uh, college basketball environments in the country. So, really, 
you know, they were almost, the fans are almost like our, our sixth man this year. They helped us, um, they helped us power through to being one of the best home teams in the country. And Rutgers was going to make the tournament this past season had the tournament not been canceled. How disappointed was the team when that announcement happened? Yeah, very disappointed. Uh, that was a crazy day. Uh, I don't know if most people remember. So Rutgers, we were actually, we had the, it was Thursday of conference tournament week. We were the noon game um, about to play Michigan in Indianapolis. And we, we were literally on the court warming up um, and about 15 minutes before tip off. They pulled us off the court. So we had went, you know, we had we had went through our whole pregame routine, warm up, we were all ready to play. Um, it was already going to be in an empty arena at that point, mm-hmm. but uh, we were going to play the game. And then obviously they pulled us off and told us the tournament was canceled. And you know, we 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 were playing pretty well. We had won our last two, hadn't been, you know, beat a really really good Maryland team and, and a really good Purdue team at Purdue. So we had some good momentum rolling to that tournament. So we were excited about going there and doing some damage. So. Right off the bat, having the Big Ten tournament be canceled was, was disappointing because you know we packed we packed our bags to be there all week. We wanted to you know we wanted to go win Big Ten championship, um, so that was tough in and of itself. Fast forward, we we actually we were lucky we were able to get a plane home the same day um, that our Michigan game was supposed to take place, and by the time we landed, as soon as everyone's phone turned on, you know nowadays with social media and stuff. Uh, everyone got the notification as soon as we landed that the NCAA tournament was canceled. So then, you know, you had like some, some guys that were like pretty upset to like devastated, you know? Yeah. So that was, that was definitely just one, two, right in a row, you know, right. One, two punch right in a row. One of our best seasons in the last 30, 40 years. So just for it to come to a screeching halt like that was definitely a really tough field to follow. Yeah, uh, so hard. I mean, what do you tell a group of kids, as you said, that were on pace to make school history? It's awful. Yeah, there's really, you know, there's not, there's, there's not much to say. Um, you know, coaches, us coaches, we always like to say, you know, you know, be prepared, have a playbook. There's no playbook for a global pandemic coming yeah. and having your season canceled, you know? So that was, that was definitely, um, definitely tough. Yeah, out of everyone's control, unfortunately. Now, looking ahead to the 2021 season, assuming there is one, how do you think Rutgers will be? Um, I think we're going to be great. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the preseason top 25 polls have us included, which is awesome. You know, uh, this past year, Rutgers was ranked for the first time. Well, now I got to look at 37 years, I think it was, Rutgers this past year. So, I mean, you know, that was pretty special, too. Um, and now being a preseason ranked team, now, you know, last year I think we kind of took some people by surprise. Um, we were confident. We, we knew what we were capable of, but I'm not sure if the rest of the country or the conference knew. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this upcoming year, you know, we, we bring back seven of our top eight scorers. Um, we have a great recruiting class that we feel really uh, – you know, confident in. So we have a, we have a pretty good team coming back. So this year, you know, we're getting some of those accolades. So we'll, we'll go from last year. I think we were the hunters and I think this year we'll be the hunted. So it'll be different, but, um, but our guys are ready. You know, our guys are hungry and that's how we, that's how we kind of got to this place. We have a awesome group of guys, um, all of them, you know, like-minded, you know, 
They want to be at Rutgers. They have a chip on their shoulder. They, they, they want to take on that challenge of helping Rutgers kind of, you know, ascend to the, to the top of the Big Ten Conference. That's great. I can't wait to watch the games and root for you guys. Yeah, we got to get you at the rack this year, definitely. Yeah, yeah get me a ticket. Although I do I think that they won't allow fans. I'm, that's what I'm guessing as of now. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> you know, it seems like it changes every day with that stuff. So yeah. uh, uh, assuming that, you know, let's think positive. Let's assume we okay. will have fans. I think I know a guy. I can get you, I can get you a ticket, maybe two tickets. You know, I think I can get that done. Nice. I see. I've been to the rack before for a wrestling match and a girls basketball game. I have not been there for a boys basketball game, though. So got to get there. Yeah. Got to come check us out. Worth it. I promise. I will. How have you been doing your job differently in these past few months in the quarantine? Definitely been different. Um, you know, a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of, uh, a lot of phone calls. Just it's been tough. You know, a lot of, one of the great things about uh, college basketball is the interactions, you know, every day, whether in season or out of season, just the interactions with the student athletes. And, you know, that's kind of that's what it's all about, and helping those guys out in any way I can, you know, be better people and better men and stuff. And so it was definitely tough just not having those physical interactions. Um, you know, nowadays people, kids, adults also are on their phones so much, you know, before the pandemic, there was people were distant, you know, just because of social media, because of always being on their phones. And then obviously with the pandemic coming, I mean, they're, they have to be distant, you know? So, um, that was, that was hard at first, just kind of not being able to be around, like I said, be around the guys on a daily basis. But, um, but, you know, we made it work and we stayed, you know, stayed in contact with the guys and checking in on them every day, every other day. Um, definitely been very different though. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Now, you know, over the past few years, you've traveled a lot. You've been to North Carolina for a couple of years. You went to New York. Now you're in New Jersey. Does it take its toll on the travel or is that just kind of part of the job? I think it's kind of just part of the job. Um, fortunately, again, I was, I've been fortunate, so fortunate in my career. You know, I haven't had to go to a, a South Dakota state. You know, <laughs> I haven't had to go to, and no offense to South Dakota, obviously, but as an as a East Coast, Northeast guy, you know, um, being able to, you know, West Virginia obviously was definitely a, a culture shock for sure, but, but that, was, that was a great place to, to go to school. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything about my college experience, but then afterwards, North Carolina, Albany, New York, and now New Jersey, you know, those are not awesome East coast, um, cities, which is what I'm comfortable with. So, um, for me, it really, it's not bad at all. Honestly, right now being in New Jersey, this is the closest I've lived to my hometown since I was in high school. So yeah, I, I that's, love, true. I, I, that's one of my um, favorite parts about being at Rutgers besides, you know, working with great uh, coaching staff and great people, but also being, you know, just so close to home. I can shoot home um, and see my parents for a quick weekend if I want to. And, you know, just having that ability, um, you know, is awesome. Yeah. Now, how often will your parents make it up for Rutgers games? My parents, they're pretty supportive. My mom, I'll tell you what, she's, uh, she's very supportive. She follows, you know, she's texting me about uh, guys hitting in the transfer portal before I even know they're in the transfer <laughs> She's on it. It's, my, my mom is on it. Um, and, and my dad too. They, they come, they, they come probably three, four five games, you know, every year they'll, uh, um, they'll always try and come and play in the city, obviously Madison square garden or something like that, but they definitely, they get out to the rack. They come and support. I appreciate that. 
That's great. Ben, is it your goal to one day be a head coach? I think definitely, um, yes, that is my goal. But, um, you know, it's a process. And I'm not, I'm not even an assistant coach yet. So, obviously, before, you know, you can be a head coach, you've got to be an assistant coach. So, um, but having said that, I'm really comfortable where I am in my position. You know, I'm, I'm super happy. Coach Peichel is, you know, one of the most amazing, you know, Basketball aside, Coach Pike was one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met in my entire life. He's just a genuine, uh, great-hearted, um, you know, guy who I love working with. Um, so, you know, being here and being in my current role, you know, it has been has been invaluable. You know, it's been I've, I've learned a ton, and another we have a great coaching staff here. We're another we're another school. Um, we have four guys on our staff who are uh, college head coaches. Um, so, you know. Coach Pikeel, obviously, Coach Hobbs, Coach Carl Hobbs was tremendously su- successful at George Washington University. Uh, Greg Vitrone, aka Shoes, Shoes Vitrone, was the head coach at FDU, and you know, a veteran of the business. And uh, Steve Hain, you know, longtime Division Two and Division Three head coach at various stops, but but a head coach. He's a head coach for 18 years before he got here. Um, and then also Brandon Knight, who wasn't a head coach, but he will be soon. He's one of the best young coaches in the country. So, you know, just those four or five guys there, again, every single day, being able to bounce things off of. I'm, I'm really, really fortunate with the staffs that I've worked for um, and all the different, you know, guys that I've worked with. It's been, it's been really, really awesome. That's awesome. And actually some exciting news. In 2020, you were named one of the top 30 coaches under 30 years old. So congratulations for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, really really cool. That was um, you know unexpected. It was funny that week. I actually had a I had my son. I had my first child. Um, shout out to my guy Maxwell Anthony Asher. Aww. But uh, so I think it was maybe two or three days afterwards. I was named thirty for thirty. So that was a uh, you know pretty jam packed eventful eventful week for me. That was yeah. uh, you know really awesome honor though. I'm, I'm appreciative of them uh, recognizing me. What a great week. So do you have your son doing dribbling drills yet? We're, we're getting there. We're getting okay. there. You know, we're Good working on his hand-eye coordination right now. So, <laughs> you know, once uh, he's got to grow a little bit, he's a little undersized, uh, you know, for, for hoops right now, you know, but we're getting there. We're getting there. He'll be shooting on the, on the Tykes hoop in no time. <laughs> nice. That's what I like to hear. Ben, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound? Sounds great. Do it. All right. What TV show are you currently binge watching? So obviously had a lot of time in the quarantine. Uh, two sh- two shows that I'm currently binge watching are classics that I'm kind of rewatching: um, uh, Parks and Recreation and The Wire. So really pretty different, <laughs> but you know, kind of shows uh, my versatile uh, TV taste. Oh my god, I love Parks and Rec. Yeah. I'm one of the yeah. people that haven't seen The Wire. You haven't. No, no I haven't seen you the haven't wire. seen the wire. I have not. Well, you have to. Have to. You have okay. to. It's great. It's one of the, you know. It's one of, if not the best shows ever. It's up there. It's in the conversation. You gotta check it out. Okay. All right. I am an avid Parks and Rec fan, though. Leslie and Ben are my favorite TV couple. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, they're great. It's awesome. <laughs> all right. So you're married with a child. Where did you go on your honeymoon? Uh, Cancun, Mexico. Ooh, yeah, nice. Cancun, Mexico. I had a great time down there. Very cool. 
All right, last question. Who are your favorite professional sports teams? I mean, unfortunately, I'm a, I'm a New York sports fan, and, and it's not been it's not been a great run for me. Uh, I'm a New York Knicks fan. They've been struggling lately for 18 years. Uh, I'm a New York Mets fan, and I am a New York Giants fan. So I actually, you know, last few years haven't been so great, but at least I have a couple Super Bowl, uh, you know, Super Bowls from them to uh, to have for my fandom. Because with my other two sports, there's not much else going on. <laughs> yeah, that's a rough one. A rare Mets Giants fan combo. You know what? People say that. I don't. People say, "Well, if you're a Mets fan, you're supposed to be a Jets fan." I don't. I, don't know. I know other Mets and Giants fans. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess I'm a. I guess I'm an oddball. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. I just know everyone. I just feel like everyone I know that's a Giants fan is a Yankee fan, and everyone I know that's a Jets fan is also a Met fan. Yeah, blame blame my dad. I just <laughs> I just uh, you know grew up following who he follows. So, but yeah, those are my squads right there. Awesome. Yeah, hope for uh, some more successful years in the future. Hopefully, yeah, we we could use it. So we need <laughs> those well wishes from you and everyone else. <laughs> Ben, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Of course. And I look forward to seeing what you're going to do next season with Rutgers. I can't wait to watch. Absolutely. And I look forward to uh, seeing you at the rack this year, cheering on the Scarlet Knights. Hey, just give me a ticket. Front row, please. Done. Got you. All right. Center court. All right. We can get that done. All right. All right. Good to hear. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Ben Asher. I hope you enjoyed it. What a hardworking guy. I can't wait to follow his coaching career and see his continued success at Rutgers. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.